Welcome back to the All Things Sports Podcast. I'm your co-host, as usual, Small Town EP, coming to you live from the chilly city of Atlanta. In the weekend where Alabama rose into the college football playoff, Jordan Love completes a revenge game in Patrick Mahomes' first trip to Green Bay, and the Arizona Coyotes defeat the last five Stanley Cup champions. All Things Sports is back to give you the real in sports. Today's guest, a familiar face and friend of the show, Kev, good to see you again. Haven't seen you in a couple episodes. How you doing? Good, man. Good. Was uh glad to be back. Always always fun to be here and uh get back into a little bit of sports. Love that, love that. I see you uh I see you there with the hurricane green and orange in the back. I know they got the pinstripe bowl. We'll get into a little bit of college football in one second. And then as always, I'm joined by Mr. Heat in five himself. Live from the, as usual, little more than Chile than Atlanta, New York City. Shout out to shout out to Reese from Broward County. But June, how you doing, Mr. Heat and Five? How is everything? I spoke it to you yesterday, but we back today for the Monday night episode. Uh, it's good, man. Everything is good. It's great. I hit up Kev today. He said he was down to record. I didn't prepare myself to watch him, you know, dress up in that Indiana Pacers playing tournament, orange and blue. But here we are. <laughs> how y'all doing, man? We're doing great, man. It's a beautiful Monday night. We got beautiful Monday night football going on. Great game. We'll get into a little bit of a look into that in one second. But let's kick it off with the uh, controversy of the weekend, y'all boys. Alabama defeats Georgia in the SEC Championship. Rolls, roll tide, rolls straight into the college football playoffs. You see it up there in the ticker right now, what the playoff will be. Gentlemen, I'll start with June. Question of the weekend. Did the committee get this right? I think that's a it's a tough question, bro. I mean, it, it's it's a bit subjective. Um, in my honest opinion, I do think they got it right as far as well, you know what? I mean, let me let me kind of break this down because I don't think there was a, a right answer here, if you, mm. if you will. And that's what everybody kind of needs to understand. Like, you know, Georgia, to me, is the best team in the country. You know, you put Georgia up against either four of these teams, and I like their chances. Obviously, we saw what happened um, in the SEC Championship. Alabama just beat them. I think if Alabama played them again, it would probably go a little differently. But that's neither here nor there. And um, – it's only fair that, you know, Alabama, one loss team that wins the SEC gets in the college football playoff. Um, that being said, a team that beat them early in the season, a conference champion of themselves, uh, Texas, I feel like there was a, a fair space for them. Michigan, undefeated Big Ten champion. There's no way you can't miss, you know, you can miss that. Uh, they deserve to be number one. And they're playing like the best team in the country at the moment. And then obviously Washington winning the Pac-12 and going undefeated with the Heisman candidate, Michael Penix Jr. It's only right. So the thing about Florida State, right, on the outside looking in is uh, is more, in my opinion, about their quarterback situation and their, their injury uh, situation. It's a bit unfair. Jordan Travis gets hurt. And they went out, they win the ACC, 
and, and I mean, listen, bro, if, if if this was the Hurricanes and you were to tell me we went out and went undefeated and won the ACC and didn't make the college football playoff for whatever reason, I'd be going ballistic. So I definitely understand, you know, Florida State and their displeasure with, with how things went. Uh, but frankly, I think the committee ultimately believes that it's a total different team with and without Jordan Travis. They were able to win games without their starting quarterback, but they weren't able to win them the same. Their strength of schedule was also like 55th in the country. Um, so I think that spoke a bit of volumes to, to why they decided they wouldn't put Florida state in there. Um, yes. Auburn did have to, excuse me, Alabama <clears throat> did have to, you know, get a last-second Hail Mary to beat Auburn in the Iron Bowl to, to even put themselves in this position. But, you know, I don't – when it comes to SEC games and, like, the Iron Bowl, the SEC championship, like, you got to win those games. It doesn't matter if you if you win, you know what I'm saying, with a blocked field goal kick or whatever the case is, a penalty, a false start that cost – listen, if you come out of that game victorious – it says a lot about your program and um, that Auburn Alabama is always going to be something to watch. So all that being said, I think the committee did as best as they could with this top four. Um, obviously my UM fandom hater, you know what I'm saying? Like in me is like, yeah, screw Florida state. Like, you know, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't believe that they're not deserving. That's not my sentiment. My sentiment is that, yeah, they, they definitely won the conference. They won undefeated. But frankly, like I said, they are a different team, and they haven't been able to be uh, as dominant as they were all season due to the fact that they're playing with a backup quarterback. And the committee knows that the ratings, the ratings, you know, the, it, it's about that too, guys. Like, wake up. You know, we, we don't want to see a backup quarterback in the college football playoff. Um so I think it's we, gonna be we don't want to see a game like TCU getting the brakes blown off of them last year either. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, Kev, I would love to hear your thoughts. I'm not sure if I kind of just said everything, but I would love to hear what you what you feel about this top four and, and what we're going to get. Yeah, the only I mean, I think you said it, you know, exactly made all the points that I would have made regarding FSU. And the other side of it that I would argue is. This is not the same Alabama team that we watched at the beginning of the year that lost to uh, Texas either. Yeah. So this, this Alabama team, uh, Jalen Milrow has been playing much better as the year has gone along. So for me, it's the same. It's just like, and and we've seen it. You know, people want to say the same thing happened with Ohio State and they uh, when JT Barrett got hurt and they ended up winning a championship with Cardale Jones as their quarterback. It's yeah. a totally different situation that we're in. We saw Cardale Jones go out and beat Wisconsin in the next game 55 to nothing before they played in the Big Ten Championship and won that too. So we just saw two games for Florida State where they did not look good at all on offense. They looked like the Jets, a great defense that's going to keep you in the game. Yep. This is, I keep yep. saying this is like, if, would you put the Jets in the playoffs because they've got an elite defense? And I understand this is a different, it's like apples and oranges because that's not how it works in the NFL, but. That's the comp that the best comparison I think you could make with this team is we've seen for two games that if uh, if Jordan Travis is not quarterback at FSU, they're not the same offense. And um, there's no doubt in my mind that if they're undefeated and Jordan Travis is healthy, they're in the playoff. And I think I think FSU fans acknowledge that. And if you do, then there's your answer. Like it's to me, it's clear. Um, you know, you had to choose between one of them. 
I almost like I'm I'm surprised FSU is uh, five and is above Georgia. Um, that's that's the biggest surprise to me. I would have put Georgia above FSU even. Um, but luckily, also, uh, we won't have to worry about this next year. There will be 12 teams. But I'm sure 13 will say we deserve this. But we won't have an undefeated team, an undefeated conference champion at that be left out anymore. So um, it's unfortunate the way it happened because you don't want to see injuries impact a whole season like that. Uh, FSU, I think, is one of the four best teams in college football if – Travis Jordan is, or Jordan Travis is there. His name should be Jordan Travis, I feel. Like, I, I always want to say that. Um, <laughs> if Jordan Travis were, um, or his name should be Travis Jordan, I feel. But if Jordan Travis were the, uh, was healthy and was the quarterback, I think that um, they are one of the four best teams in college football. Um, but unfortunately, he's not. And uh, that's just the way it goes. So. The, the only argument that I think that Florida State fans have, because, again, as always, I share the same sentiments. I'm a Hurricane fan, so it's fuck FSU all around. Fun city to be in if you're in college anyway, but that's besides the point. The only thing that I think, the only argument I think that they have is why would you put us at number four the week before and then, you know, just drop us out? The committee apparently answered that question. Um, during, you know, the voting and everything. And they said they didn't have a big enough sample size of Rudimaker yeah. to make that decision. I, I mean, if, if it's tough because you're a third-string quarterback, so how big of a sample size do you want from me? Like half of a Northern Alabama game, it's Northern Alabama, let's be serious, you know what I mean? I think that would be the only kind of argument I to the FSU organizations and and fans have is why did you put us at four the week before and then drop us down to what is it six if i'm not mistaken at this point no they're five now they're five okay sorry about that yeah they're five bama Bama jumped them but outside of that i mean yeah no one wants to see another tcu you know what happened to tcu last year which was just embarrassing for college football we spent some time talking about it on the pod last year I think the committee got it right. I do think it's 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 a tough question to answer, like whether it's right or wrong. A lot of people are saying we need to they need to take it to you know the NFL way, but there's no way to do that in college because there's no there's no schedule equivalent. You know, there's no like you'd be leaving a bunch of non-power five schools out, obviously by default, like you already do. Um, so you can't move it. And this this is the reason that there's a committee because you can't move it. Right. You can't organize it like the NFL. So there has to be a committee. Right. I do think they got it right. Um, I do think that Alabama beating the number one team in the country in the SEC championship, premier college football, definitely deserves it. Not Jordan. not only that, that's probably the best single win of any team that any team has had all year in college football is beating a team that hadn't lost in 29 games and is the back-to-back defending national champion. There's not going to be a better win by anybody in the whole season. So you have to reward Alabama for it. And that's, I mean, then, then you get into, like, if Georgia won, then what do you do? Because are you going to say Georgia's, Georgia's obviously got to get in? So who do you leave out? Like, who is FSU believe in that case you should leave out? But if you think if Georgia got in, if Georgia wins, they get in, then if Alabama beats that team, then they should get in. 
Right. I going back to that point you made, EP, that the college football playoff committee, <clears throat> you know, didn't believe they saw enough of the backup quarterback. Um, the backup to the at, backup. Right. <laughs> at the end of the day, this is a Florida State team who, with this backup quarterback, yes, they did beat. Uh, I forgot. Was it Jackson? What was it? North Alabama. North, North Alabama. They they win that game and then they you know they come off of a twenty four to fifteen win against Florida, who lost the last four games or five who lost their last five games of the season, and then they win you know in the ACC championship sixteen to six. So it, it's just not convincing enough that this team is good enough to play against the caliber of teams in the top four. And so if you were to put them at number four, I mean, good luck against Michigan is what the committee probably sees. And I think us as a country as well, like, you know, there's definitely going to be, first of all, we do this every year. And I've been recording the podcast since 2017. The college football playoff has been a thing from like 2013 or so. And I feel like every single year, there's going to come to a point where, there's disagreement, right? And and some team, some fan base is going to feel left out uh, and it's going to, you know, be held. They're going to have to hold the short end of the stick. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate for Florida State because, again, they did go undefeated and they won all the games they had to. But when it comes down to who's going to be able to play for a championship in this league, uh, strength of schedule matters, how you beat your opponents matter. You know, it, it's like the in-season tournament in a sense. Um, where point differential comes into play so that, you know, we, we, we can see who's truly the better team. And uh, I think that was kind of the case for Florida State, uh, in my in my honest opinion. So Nice. I got a question for you guys, and it has to do with Michigan's reaction to getting Bama in the first round of the playoffs. Do you think, do you guys think that, this, that uh, they drew Michigan, well, that Michigan drew Bama as punishment for for Jim Harbaugh and the sign stealing scandal because yeah that's they funny seemed, they seemed overwhelmingly just upset that they drew Bama in the first round. What do you guys think about that? Overwhelmingly upset and just underwhelmed in general. But Kev, what do you think? I mean, I think they were just expecting Florida State, and I thought I think that they were like in their heads like, oh, we got to. This defense against that quarterback, it's a cakewalk to the national championship. And then they got Bama, and they were like, damn, for real, we got to actually play to get there? So that's I what I think that at, was. I think they looked at Coach Harbaugh like, you're going to be out there, right? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't suspend you for that one, right? You're, you're, you're good, straight, right? right? <laughs> hey, man, you, burned, you burned the rest of that shit, right? <laughs> right, right. I, I, real quick, just on that game, we'll talk about it more as the weeks come. They're going to have a week off, and then, you know, they'll, they'll yeah. start game week. But Jalen Milrow, like, total, total different quarterback. Like Kev said, like, this Alabama team is not the team we saw weeks one through five, weeks one through six. And they're not the cream of the crop by far. They're not Georgia. They're not even necessarily the team to beat. But they're still Alabama. They're still a Nick Saban coach team. They're still a team with some of the most elite athletes on their roster um, and probably in this 
playoff tournament. So that just gives them that edge to go out there and, and be confident enough that no matter who we play, what scheme we got to draw up, we have the confidence and the players to make plays. So it's going to be scary for Michigan. And I'm I'm interested to see how Michigan, how really J.J. McCarthy is going to come out this game because this is a big game for him. Obviously, he has NFL dreams, and I think that he can get drafted. I don't see him, you know, being necessarily the starting quarterback at the next level every Sunday, but he has to show that, you know, he can beat an Alabama. He can go against an elite defense and 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 take control uh, and not just, you know, glamour glamorize the Big Ten. So I would I would really like to see J.J. McCarthy come out and, and really get a win against this Bama team. What's up, Kev? I got to go back and look, but I – I almost feel like last time I was on here and we talked about college football, I may not have said it. I don't remember. But I, I said to somebody, I was like, Bama's going to sneak into the pl- – find a way to sneak into the playoff, aren't they? And this is like three, four weeks ago I said this. Uh, just because I knew if they beat – if they got – if they went the rest of the way undefeated and played Georgia and won, you got to put them in. And that's just yep. so – and they – it's like Saban, Saban always figures out a way. So it would, not, thing, it would not surprise me at all if uh, Bama wins the whole thing. Last thing before we move on, uh, we take it to the NFL. Florida State obviously in recent years expressed a desire to leave the ACC and join a better conference. And they're going to get a chance to play SEC football against Georgia in these playoffs. I personally think they're going to get the brakes beat off of them. You're not ready for that SEC defense. You're not ready for that SEC. Well, I'm going to say off. I think that game's going to be low scoring. Again, we'll get into that when, you know, when, when the time comes. I do think that will be a low scoring game. But I don't see Florida State being able to hang in there with Georgia when the time comes. Don't know how you guys feel about that, but those are just my sentiments. Um. You said Florida State versus Georgia? In the Orange Bowl, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the part of the committee that's annoying because, you know, obviously this is the game that has to be the matchup, but, like, come on. If we're talking about we didn't want Florida State to be in this top four because of their quarterback situation or whatever the case, like, <laughs> against Georgia in the Orange Bowl – Okay. Well, they're the 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 ACC yeah, champions. Ch- yeah, I get it. No, no, no. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So for, for that matter, hey, fuck it. I mean, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long night for Florida State, regardless. <laughs> yeah, Florida State's gonna have to score uh, like tw- at least twenty, and that's like considering Georgia's offense has a bad night. I'm watching this uh, Monday Night Football telecast here. Yeah, I wanted to tap into that, too. Overtime. It's it's overtime, 31-31. They're showing baddies in Jacksonville on TV. Uh, So flow. Calvin Ridley gets a – North flow. But Calvin Ridley gets a – like a 50-yard bomb to the three-yard line, but it comes back because of a hold. Mm. I mean, this is a good game here. We got uh, C.J. Beathard, the battle of the backups right now. C.J. Beathard. (laughs) <laughs> had to come in for Trevor Lawrence because he went down with a with a bad ankle injury. So we'll have to see what's what's his status going into the I guess future of the season. But sorry, go ahead, EP. No, you're good. 
Listen, big implications for me. I, I need the Bengals to pull this off. I need the Chiefs to move back up to at least three right now. We're slipping. We're falling. And it looks like we can't get up RPDMX. We'll take it to the NFL since we're on that right now. And we talked, you know, we've, uh, Kev, we've been having the Sunday evening episodes to just kind of be able to recap the NFL slate with, you know, kind of cons- concisively, if that's even a word. Just apologize to the viewers for that. <laughs> this is two days in a row I've had horrible vocabulary, but I digress. Kev had a little, some sentiments that he wanted to get off of his chest as far as his uh, beloved New York Jets and the fact that uh, reports came out today that Zach Wilson said, he ain't want to be. A, he ain't want to start no more. I don't want to play no more, coach. But then Salah, being you know stand up players coach, came out and said, "Hey, he didn't actually say that. The total opposite happened. We had a conversation. The reports are kind of leaky as far as to whether it was before or after the other report came out." Kev, talk to me. How you feeling about your uh, your J E T S Jets Jets Jets? Well, uh, you know. Zach Wilson, as far as Zach Wilson goes, um, I believe the quote was that he's reluctant to play uh, <laughs> if he's chosen as the starting quarterback, which, I mean, I get because I'm reluctant to watch at this point. Um, it's uh, I'd rather watch any of the high school football teams in my area. Uh, there are much better offenses. Uh, at least quarterback-wise and offensive line-wise. That's crazy. Uh, But I will say that the quarterback play has been so bad, and I can't even – I mean, I don't know, because the offensive line wasn't even terrible against Atlanta. But I will say that the offensive line is in shambles. Um, We're down to our third string at uh, left tackle and right tackle, I believe and our fourth string at left guard, and our fifth string center. So um, offensive line has not endured the season very well. Uh, I do think Becton came back last week, though. So that might have been a reason why the offensive line was a little bit better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just so bad. Like, the offense is so bad. You, know, I feel like the offense is like the, te- the part of the off- the your football team – that you want to see, right? Like you want to see them score points. For me, I want to see the defense because that's the only time I can like clap or celebrate. Cause we, it's like Brees Hall for one yard or negative two yards. Cause the offensive line can't get any movement up front. And then uh, a bad throw to Garrett Wilson uh, and then take a deep shot or maybe just run it. Cause it's third and long and you don't want to throw an interception. So the offense has literally been, uh, like painful to watch um and yeah that's where i'm at i just it's like I, I i was saying it almost feels like this year i've come to the realization that um it doesn't matter what we do it doesn't matter who we get because at the end of the day we're still the goddamn jets and that's just all we're gonna be so I- <clears throat> That's a uh, question. You know, would you would you uh, would you have liked to see your team sign uh, Joe Flacco after seeing his performance no. in his debut? <laughs> with the no. Oh my god! It 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 literally. I don't think right now. I mean, granted, like I said, Beckton was back. I think Schweister was back also. So the offensive line against Atlanta uh, has was much better than it has been in the last two three weeks. 
But it does these last two, three weeks before the Atlanta game, it doesn't matter who was that quarterback. I don't think yeah. anybody would have succeeded behind that offensive line that they were running out there. It was literally guys who were being called up. For, we had our right guard move over to center because we were on our third string center. He got hurt. Our fourth string center came in, got hurt. And we had to move our right guard to center who hadn't played center since college. And the first snap was a fumble. So like, that's just the way the season's gone for the yeah. Jets. And it's not like, like what, what can you, your quarterback that you got and is supposed to be the savior of everything goes down four plays like that. That was just the, like the outlier for the, how the season was going to go. And yeah. I was gone. Literally we're sitting here. Like the biggest news with the Jets is like, is Aaron Rodgers going to come back this week? Right. From a total Achilles. You know what I mean? Like, right. so yeah, we're not in a great place. I think if, uh, if we were in a better place, then uh, the news wouldn't be. So is Aaron Rodgers coming back to save the Jets because we wouldn't need to be saved. Uh, he would just be able to come in and ease his way back in. Uh, but yeah, there's no saving this team at this point. Uh, I would say tank and like lose as much as you can and just get a better draft pick. But um, if we have a top five draft pick that hasn't really gone well for us, uh, so <laughs> you know, except for Sauce, shout out to Sauce and Garrett. I mean, he was ten, but I'll take it. Hey, real quick. Um... Monday Night Football, live looking. It's 31-all, overtime. T. Higgins. Uh, T. Higgins caught a first down. Jamar Chase just got close to another first down. He's, they're going to be short, two yards short. So, right now, it looks like the uh, Bengals are in full control of this game. They got the ball at the, like, 35 or so. Um, next score wins. Jake Browning, I must say, coming into overtime, 28 of 32 for 318 yards and a touchdown. I mean, who would have thought? I think he also has – a rushing touchdown. Um, so just much credit to him. Uh, we spoke last night on here, EP, you and I, and they got the ball at the 32, by the way. And um, I came up here and I, I, I laid down a list of teams that the Colts play for the rest of the season. I was very excited because when you look at things, we don't have an elite quarterback that we have to play against for the rest of the season. We got the Bengals next week. We got the Steelers the following week, Falcons, Raiders, and then, okay, here comes Mr. Elite, best quarterback in the league, C.J. Stroud with the Texans. Now, this is no – listen, he's not an elite quarterback, right, Jake Browning for the for the Bengals. But what he's doing tonight against this Jaguars defense, the, the number, what, two seed in the AFC – number two or three seed in the AFC. Um, it's it's nothing short of impressive. And we have to acknowledge the fact that he's been able to come out here all night and stand in the face of pressure. And he has this Jacksonville team on the ropes with Evan McPherson. You know what I'm saying? Uh, ready to kick a game-winning field goal on the road. So with that being said, like I, uh, my Colts, I think I think we still win next week. I still Number think three seed, by the way. Yeah, okay. Our defense, you know, being top five in sacks uh, and and in turnovers and in fumbles uh, forced, I think we have a great chance. This is a little alarming. I mean, this this kid is this kid has come in and <laughs> he's played really good out of Washington, and you just got to give credit, bro. You got to give credit. No, absolutely. That's, that's another thing, real quick. 
that just absolutely pisses me off because how many backup quarterbacks even like you said you you mentioned joe flacco uh early like how like how many quarterbacks how many quarterbacks like backups and like guys off the street even pj walker (laughs) and dorian thompson robinson have looked okay at times like we have tim boyle who's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns since college and he's starting quarterback for our team like why why is tim boyle starting nfl games and why is like yeah that's crazy like trevor simeon can't even i'm i don't get it i don't get it i don't get it hey listen somehow some way you referenced joe flacco a second ago june this 38-year-old man managed to scrum up $370,000 from the Browns. So kudos to that motherfucker. And kudos to the Browns for trusting that motherfucker enough to give him half a million dollars with about 144000 of it guranteed, which is hilarious. Just give me the whole three whatever, bro. What are you going to get? Yeah, any picture. <laughs> hey, I apologize to the viewers if uh, if my light flicker is is impairing to the eye i'm not sure what's going on here but nah, I'll, you're, I'll, you're uh, in a, I'll pay, you're in a I'll pay for a better right light i'm sorry kev sounds like kev sounds like he's horrified so you must be in the movie right now bro with the light right. flickering and all that there you go what the hell <laughs> next score wins three minutes left please Bengals, pull this off i need it because the chiefs decided to not want to finish games this year but hey I digress, and we'll move on to the NBA, where the Indiana Pacers sent home the Boston Celtics. Boston just got to Vegas and took a flight right back out back to Boston. (laughs) The Pacers will stay there. Jason Tatum did have 30. Wait, oh, it's in Indy? Yeah, the the, uh, quarterfinals are at uh, one of the home teams. Ah, heard that, heard that. So now Boston's flying back home and Indiana's and Indy's flying going to, to Vegas. Indy's going to Vegas. Apologies, correction. Appreciate you, Kev. Jason Tatum had a plus minus minus 14 while he was on the floor today, even though he had 32 points, 12 rebounds, six assists. And Halliburton, man, just continuing to ball. I love his comments. Uh, I think it was yesterday of him saying he's tired of losing, being a loser. He appreciates all the personal accolades and the personal, you know, trophies and stuff that he's gotten, but he wants to win. And his performance on the court at a plus 15 today against the Celtics, who everybody, again, they were five and a half point favorites today. And everyone was counting Indiana out, not as strong as the Celtics, won't be able to get past the Celtics in these quarterfinals. And Halliburton came out and told them the same thing that June told Cardi last night. Man, shut up, bro. 26 points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists. Single-handedly responsible for at least, what is that, 40, 52 points at the very minimum if all of those assists came with two-point buckets. Indiana looks to be rolling. 11-8 and eight on the season, 7-5 and five at home. June, they're second right behind Milwaukee in their division. How do you feel about Indiana? Are they forced to be reckoned with this year, or is it too early in the season to to make that conclusion? I I wouldn't I wouldn't say forced to be reckoned with. Uh, I do think this is a team that can find their way into the playoffs, and then if they do, they're going to be the team that nobody wants to play. So, first of all, Tyrese Halliburton, all 
NBA, you know what I'm saying, first team. Like, that's that's what this guy has in his future. And when we talk about Luka Doncic, when we talk about Shea Gilgis, Alexander, like, Tyrese Halliburton has kind of just put himself in that bracket. And it's like, he doesn't have a sexy game. Like, it's not like the flashiest. It's not, he doesn't have a pretty jump shot, but the man just makes the right play. He plays basketball with pace. He has amazing court vision. And he's that type of guy that just makes his teammates better. Um, this is a young team, Indiana, with guys like, you know, obviously Miles Turner's still there, Buddy Hill's still there, but uh, Benedict Matherin is a great pickup they they drafted. Obi Toppin has come in this year and, and made a great impact uh, in their front court. TJ McConnell's been solid, you know, his, his uh, career and throughout his tenure in Indy. I, I do think this is a playoff team right now. Uh, as things stand, you know, it's, it's obviously we're 20 games into the season, 19 or so, but um, they, they've put themselves in a play in a, they've given themselves the opportunity to win the play in tournament. They're in the semifinal and obviously they're going to have to play the winner of New York or Milwaukee, but I don't think that's so far fetched. Like I, I truly see this Indiana Pacers team, um, coming into the playoffs as maybe a six, seven, eight seed, and then just kind of raising hell for whoever their first round opponent is, whether they win that series or not, and more likely than more likely not than so. But yeah, man, I I, I like this Pacers team and, and Halliburton, he's just gonna keep on being him. I mean, you said a triple double. He had a late four point play in that game to to put him up. And uh, you know, as Rick Carlisle, like you've got to be just salivating when you're watching tape on Halliburton and and how you know teams have to game plan against him so shout out to Tyrese man he, he's and real quick uh, I you know people ask like did the Kings trade the wrong point guard did the Kings like no I don't think I think both teams won in that trade and De'Aaron Fox was the guy for the job in Sacramento and DeMontis Sabonis made Sacramento become what they are giving Tyrese Halliburton the freedom and the opportunity to do what he's doing in Indy is working out great for them. Um, not to say that Halliburton wasn't going to be this player in Sacramento. Sacramento isn't necessarily known for developing young talent. And they, they, you, you can see a history of maybe some stunted growth over there, or just like that, that all-star on their team that doesn't get any help, you know, i.e. Boogie Cousins. Right. And so, I think it worked out great for both Tyrese Halliburton, both uh, DeMontis Sabonis, and they're they're both in situations themselves that that have them. You know, look at the Kings right now. I mean, they're they're playing right now. Actually, uh, they are. They've got the Pelicans in the quarterfinals. They're down by ten. Excuse me, they're down by ten down in the eight. third. But I mean, that Kings team is a playoff team. That Kings team is a is a sure fire playoff team in the West. And so, just to kind of answer that social media question that I see. If they got the trade, if, if Sacramento traded the wrong point guard, no, I, I don't think that uh, either team, Indy or Sacramento, would have the success they're having right now had they not made that trade. Just wanted to point that out. Kev, how you feel about it? Um, well, first of all, I want to say Adam Silver. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, because I absolutely love the tournament. Uh, I know the players are uh, 
to quote Ime Udoka bitching about this uh, point <laughs> differential. <laughs> We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. <laughs> about the uh, point differential situation. Uh, but I thought it made for great, uh, great basketball, like great drama at the end of games yeah. that were blowouts. And uh, so, yeah, so I know June had something. Or it looked like yeah, it uh, looks like there's a flag on the play in overtime, but it looks like it's going to stand. Oh. Unsportsmanlike conduct on the defense. Bengals win. Evan McPherson hits a game-winning field goal against the Jaguars. And uh, Bengals, look at them, 6-6. Six and six. Jaguars fall to 8-4. and four. The Colts, I must say, Kev, I, I want you to get back to this point with the Pacers and how you're feeling, but the Colts are just two games out of first place in that AFC. They're just two games out. Of, just let that be known. Since we're talking about Indy, had to bring up the Colts. But go ahead, Kev. Um, yeah. So uh, I love I love the in season tournament. I love the point differential. I hope they keep it going that way and don't uh, decide to do anything with that because I think it makes for great drama, especially in those fourth games that are uh, you know where like Golden State needed to beat Sacramento by uh, what was it eleven or thirteen or something like that, like. Golden State's up six playing like they're down. And yeah. Yeah. Golden State eventually loses that game, which could cost them down the line, whether it's seeding or a playoff spot. One game could cost you, you know, you lose that game. And so it's like, it's a real fine line and you got to, you know, tote that line, but also you got to win your games. And that's just all it comes down to. And uh, so I love it. It gives like extra incentive. There's extra energy. You could feel it in the buildings. Uh, you know, every every crowd wants every fan base wants their team to win anything, whether it's a game, a tournament, a tournament more so because every team participates. But um, yeah, so I love it. As far as the Pacers, um, I actually tweeted earlier. I, Tyrese Halliburton uh, is becoming one of my favorite basketball players to watch. He just he always makes the right play always makes the right pass, sometimes doesn't take the right shot, but it still goes in. Uh, like, he is incredible. He had a, a two-game stretch where he had 32 assists, so he averaged 66 with zero Crazy. turnovers. Crazy. With zero turnovers in two games. And averaged 29 points on 70% plus shooting from the field and, like, 52% from three. That is ridiculous. That's ridiculous yeah. for one game, let alone two, back-to-back. Yeah. Back. Um, so he's special. Uh, and like you said, Luca. and it's funny because Carlisle was Luca's first coach and then kind of unlocked Tyrese when he got to Indiana. So um, I think Carlisle deserves a lot of credit, and I think Tyrese Halliburton will probably tell you the same thing. Yeah. Uh, as far as him just putting him in the right spots to uh, to succeed in the right position to succeed because he can kind of run the point like Luca a little bit with the the way he hit, gets to his step back and he gets to his spots and just knows how to play the game and uh, he plays at his pace and so uh, yeah I love the Pacers uh, I think they've got it's going to be interesting to see like the people that are always surrounded in those trade talks the Buddy Heald the Miles Turner is like. Is this the year that they move them to maybe bring somebody else in, or do they run with what they've got because it's working? Uh, but so I, I think you know maybe they do make a move uh, eventually, and I think I think Tyrese is also that player that is like, yo, if I go play with him, he's gonna get me the ball in the right spot. The guy, I mean, the guy averages twelve assists a game, I think, or close to it. 
Uh, so, you know, if you're a shooter, if you're a scorer, you can rely on a guy like that to get you the ball in the right spots. And uh, so he's an intriguing person to play with, even, you know, even being in Indiana. There it is. And like you just said, we got Kings Pelicans live right now. Kings down third quarter, already lost to the Pelicans twice this season. We're looking to see the Pelicans hopefully hold on to move forward in this NBA in-season tournament. McCullum and company, it, it, it looks good when it looks good, and it looks bad when it looks bad. Zaron Williamson, I mean, he said he's still trying to buy in. His performance and the numbers still look like he's still trying to buy in these days. Don't know what's going on with that. It, they're, they're playing non-sustainable basketball, and we're early. I know we're early on into the season, but they're just playing non-sustainable basketball. Maybe they're just playing for the half a million dollars right now. And I feel you. If I had an, if I had half a million dollars in my pocket right now, shit. Hey, and to that point, I saw that there was a tweet that said the Pacers have 10 different players who are making less than $3 million, and a few of them are on the two-way contracts. I think three of them or so. And so, yeah. like, you could see the elation when they won that game or when they made that big play coming down the stretch against Boston. The bench just got up and just couldn't contain themselves. I mean, listen, we look at the NBA as a billion-dollar business. Obviously, it's a global brand where these guys are making a lot of money. Some feel like some of these guys are making more, more money than they should. And whether that's the case or not, um, the truth is there are a bunch of men making $30 million, $20 million. There's guys making $5 million. Um, but there's a lot of guys on, you know, hundred, uh, $800,000, $900,000 salaries, which <laughs> let's be honest, <laughs> right? first, first world problems. But when you look at, you know, the people you're competing with, you know, that's, that's in the, in the, the 1%, you know what I'm saying? So the fact that they have the opportunity to compete for this amount of money, what, 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 what player is going to, you know, not go hard for $500,000? I mean, wouldn't you? And I think R.J. Barrett was quoted saying, like, if there was uh, – if the in-season tournament is giving them, like, more fuel to, to play harder or whatever, and he's just like, I mean, it's a half a million dollars. Like, <laughs> let's be honest. What person <laughs> doesn't want to win a half a million dollars? So, I mean, that's a vacation for you and your family and, you know Pour what I'm saying, up. maybe somebody else's family. And, Word know, up. So, I, I love the competition here. That it's is a beautiful. nice vacation. Yeah let, let, yeah, let that be clear. It's not just a vacation. <laughs> I mean, Drake and his friends could spend $70,000 on a vacation. But <laughs> talking about half a million dollars. Yeah, man. If y'all thought, thought my trip to Italy this uh, this past couple of months uh, in September was nice, that, that half a million dollar vacation is different. I'm going to the moon, <laughs> going to the moon bro. Fuck it. I, I wouldn't even go to Nice. I'll go to Nephew. <laughs> hey man let's uh let's take it over to a a much more mellow tone at least for me and uh for me in june we'll take it over to college basketball a lot of upsets this week in the group chat a lot of the homies were saying yo vegas is working hard a lot of uh a lot of top seeds were falling to uh you know non-power five schools and things like that in me and june's realm duke blue devils Lose two out of three, and the one loss in those last three is Southern Indiana, which I'm not even going to talk about. 
these back-to-back losses at Arkansas. The Arkansas game, all right, you know, we have a bad game here and there. You know, it's on the road at Arkansas, tough place to play in. One of the homies Still the a bad loss. Yeah, one of the homies from the spaces was there. They stormed the court on us. John Shire was having trouble getting off the court. Had security surrounding him trying to get off the court. Bet. I'm looking during this Arkansas game, and I'm like, damn, when do we uh, – well, you know, I'm in Atlanta now, so when do they play Georgia Tech? Damn, we played Georgia Tech this weekend last week. Oh, damn, I, can't, I wish I could go. Can't go. That sucks. <sighs> they go to McCamish Pavilion is what it's called down here in downtown Atlanta. And fall down early, fight back, make it a game late, make some dumb decisions – End up losing the game, dropping back to back games, seventy two to sixty eight. Although alarming and sad, a bit exciting, because I think this is what this is where we're gonna see what John Shire and company are really made of. We've dropped to ninth in the ACC, to number twenty two out of the top twenty five, losing our first opening conference play, and for a second we were up. Two and a half minutes left in the game. We're up four after Mitchell dunks the ball, gets a little emotional. Which hey, I can understand. You're in you're in Atlanta. I know they're I know they're jarring at you. I know they're jarring at you. It, it's there's no question that they're jarring at you. They're up on Duke. It's Duke. You're beating Duke right now. But the one thing that you cannot do as a Duke Blue Devil is jaw back. He gets a taunting tech. Georgia Tech makes both free throws, gets the ball because that's the rule in college, and that's all she wrote. I don't even know what else to say about this, man. It's disappointing. You can't lose your opening conference play like that. I get that you're on the road. CFP weekend. Atlanta is booming. Atlanta, the energy in Atlanta is strong right now. You just can't drop that game, especially in the manner that you did when it was yours for the taking. June, how you feeling so far about this uh, second year in John Shire head coached Duke basketball team? I mean, we're still early, right? We just got to December, so I'm not going to give too much thought into, like, evaluation as far as Shire and his tenure here. I think last year spoke a lot of volumes and what he's capable of and what kind of coach he is, how the players rally behind him. Um, and this program, as storied as it is and, you know, as as well as respect, as hated and respected, but both in the same breath uh, immensely – I think talent is going to be an issue this year. You know, we're not as as heavy as we've have as we've as we've been in years past. Excuse me. You know, with with Roach and Filipowski, Philip, like I Proctor. Love Proctor went down with an injury in the first half of that Georgia Tech game as well, ankle injury. Tyrese Proctor from Sydney, and Australia. So, you know, like we're gonna look for, but we're gonna look for our top two to carry a lot this season and. And um, how sustainable that is, I'm not sure. Who's going to get hot later in this year, you know, heading into March and the ACC or ACC battle and, and into March. That's going to be telling. Um, and so I'll wait for February, you know, late January, February to kind of evaluate to see how guys are playing. Because right now, I don't think Duke is a national championship team. Right, I don't, I don't see that for them at this moment. Through 
adversity through, you know, ups and downs and ebb and flow of the season. And John Shire being as good of a coach as we see him to be, it can be a possibility. And so, you know, we'll kind of let it play its course and we'll let John Shire coach his way through the season and see if he can uh, can get his guys prepared and ready for the gauntlet of the tournament when that time comes. Because right now, you know, I, I think that um, we're, we're, we're not as good as the best teams. Um, so it's going to take a little more. And, you know, well-coached teams figure those ways out. Listen, we'll host Charlotte. On the 9th, we'll host Hofstra on the 12th, and then we get our next big challenge when we host number six Baylor later this month. I, I, and, I, and I must say, I love that matchup right there because, you know, Baylor is a tough, tough Big 12 game, you know, team to play. And to be able to play them pretty early in the season, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's not a lot of, you know, if you lose this game, it's not going to end you, the, it's not going to end the world. So, I love to ask be prepared for it. Um, but I, I think that matchup will show a lot about where this team is uh, going forward. Georgia Tech, we'll see you January 13th in Cameron Indoor Stadium. And I'm smiling now as I see that. <laughs> hey, man, I want to give a quick shout-out to the Kansas Jayhawks. Pulled off a great win against UConn. And my specific shout-out is actually going to be to K.J. Adams, their, I believe, junior forward. Had a hell of a game, knocked down some very important free throws, all on the back end of losing his mother on November 17th. Was flying out to his mother's funeral the day after the UConn game. And those type of performances, you know, we, we, I can bring up Brett Favre, Type of performances after losing this father, where you just muster up the strength and the tenacity and the resiliency to just come out, play for your team, do it for something bigger than just yourself. Huge shout out to that man because I listen. I've I've been in similar situations. I where I've had deadlines to meet, you know, for for the production company. On, on, on the back end of, you know, lo- losing my grandma. And it's tough to stay locked in. It really is. And that was on a personal level. He is on a national level at that point. So yep. big, big shout out to him to, to be able to, to, to muster all that up and, 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 you know, kick some ass. Honestly, kick some ass. June, I'm going to have you... Uh... <laughs> Typing mad hard out here, Twitter fingers, yo. Yeah, my fault. Hey, I'm not, all right. So look, let me since since we're here, I apologize <laughs> to those listeners. You know who, who, who I'm a keyboard warrior right now, but I'm in the group chat and I just you know if you tuned in last night to our episode, our our Sunday night special. I was talking about the Dolphins, man, and and it's always gonna come back to can you beat the good teams? Can you beat the teams over 500? And so you know, obviously with this. Uh, Bengals win here on Monday night. This is also the first Bengals win on Monday night since 1990 versus the Cleveland Browns. They've been 0-9 since. That's that's a big thing here. They did it without their starting quarterback. I want to point that out. That gives the Dolphins the number one seed in the AFC right now. And so, you know, obviously us being from South Florida, we have a lot of South Florida natives and Dolphins fans in our group chat. Marlon, shout out to you. Shout out to Dre. You know, Marlon pointed out the fact that 
the Dolphins are the number one seed. And I let him know just real quick, being funny, that he was waiting all night for this game to be over so he could send that text message. Great. <laughs> Sal points out that they got to beat Baltimore in week 15. Andre says, we beat them the last three times, all with the healthy Lamar. I'm not worried. I said, well, hey, they're way better now. Their defense wasn't this elite. Andre says, and are, are we not? I said, your defense is great. He said, they have no Humphrey, and their offense is wishy-washy. I said, look, I'm not saying that, though. I'm saying they've been better than they – they're better than they have been. Uh, I said, but I like Baltimore to win. I'm big on Baltimore this season. For those people watching the show, listening – all season, you guys know that I'm uh, I'm rooting for Lamar in Baltimore, and I've had high expectations for them. He said, fam, we beat them with Fitzpatrick. We're a much better team. I said, listen, that's got nothing to do with right now. He said, I say that to say this. We are a much better team, even from last year when we beat them. Sal says, we beat them three times in a row with an elite defense, one of them years. And Andre says, Lamar has one good game against us the first time he played us, and we historically lock him up. I said, well... Have y'all beat a team over 500 this season? It's no shade, just being real. It's something you guys got to prove. Y'all can make all the points you'd like. He said, have we played one home game yet? Dallas, Baltimore, Buffalo, last three games. I said, I don't care, bro. You don't need to be home to win. He said, you sound ignorant. If you have all these other quote-unquote great teams that have played, uh, you sound ignorant if you – if you <laughs> listen, honestly, it's getting to the point where he's starting not to make sense. Of his words. <laughs> listeners, the Dolphins got to win a team against a team over 500, whether it's on the road or at the house. I don't want to fucking hear. It's not that difficult to understand the concept. Like you're not going to play these trash teams in the playoffs. So can you beat a good team? That's all that everybody's saying. And Dolphins fans are so up in arms. I've never seen a, a I've never seen a team that's considered that considers themselves to be so good and like the number 1 team in the NFL to be so fucking sensitive about everything <laughs> that's said about them. They're so sensitive. Yesterday fucking uh somebody said tweeted something about Tua making a bad throw and Tyreek had to adjust oh, his yeah, ball. He had to go and Tyreek like, tweeted no, him. That's a bad bro, take. All right, whatever. Bro, Dolphins Twitter wanted this man to say sorry. Like, what what are we doing? The guy, because the guy replied to Tyreek and was like, oh, okay, watching it live, it looked like it was a bad ball. Right, right. Whatever. All right, cool. Bro, everybody got on his ass. Like, you know, you can say you were wrong, blah, blah, blah. Bro, he saw what he saw. He tweeted it. Tyreek told him this is what happened. And the guy said, oh, okay. It didn't look that way when I saw it live. Thank you for pointing that out. But what do you want him to say? You want him to say, I'm sorry? Get out of here. <laughs> it's so sensitive. The most sensitive fan base for a team that's considered to be like this elite Super Bowl contending team. It's a lot of insecurity. Hey, I want to I want to let the Dolphins fans get the last word right here. Uh well, it looks like EP is going to have the last word, but he said we also <laughs> didn't have uh, Jalen Ramsey or, or Devon A-Chain. And he said, but nah, we got to have this debate on there for real on the podcast. I'm I'm tired of you. Yeah, I'm tired of you uh, guys with inferior records talking about the Dolphins. There goes to that sensitivity uh, point Kev made. He said, get your dubs up. EP comes with a clap back. Get your rings up. And I'm going to leave it right there. And ladies and gentlemen, that was this week's Real in Sports. I'm your co-host of this number one sports podcast, your number one sports podcast, all things sports. Tonight we were joined by Big Kev, 
and Mr. Heat M5 himself. We'll see y'all Thursday, man. We're signing out.